keep the writer in your prayers tomorrow. We'll just trust what's going to happen. and They'll let us know, and then we'll let you know as well. Okay? All right. Well, we are still in the series. We're getting close to the end. I think we're about another four weeks. We're in a series that's uh, based on the, on, the, on the minor prophets in the Old Testament. Here it is right here. One of these days it'll show up. There it is, right? Okay, so we've been talking about Jonah and Amos and Hosea and Micah and Nahum and Joel. And then last week it was Zephaniah. Today it'll be Habakkuk. Next week Obadiah. Then Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. And because these are all minor prophets, we're calling this a minor message. Not because the message that they have is unimportant, but because it's usually small, one central message versus Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, those Daniel that have huge books and lots of things to say. These usually just have, one. as a matter of fact, next week I think Obadiah only has one chapter. It's just a group of verses. Today we're going to be looking at uh, Habakkuk, but this is what we've seen so far. Okay, let's put that up here. Okay, Jonah was all about compassion, not about obedience. You have to go back to that sermon. Amos was about social justice. Hosea was about God's never-ending love. Micah, what God really wants. Nahum, how God handles bullies. Joel was the prophet of the Holy Spirit, and last week it was the day of the Lord. Now, no other prophet mentions that day of the Lord, that day of reckoning, and he calls us to repentance. That was last week, okay? All of these are on the podcast on our website, which is www.salemfirst.com. Go to the the podcast. All of these are right there. As a matter of fact, I think we have almost every sermon for the last five years. There's more material to put you to sleep right there. I don't know why any of you are on any kind of sleeping medication. It's all right there online for free. This morning we're talking about Habakkuk. Let's get right to uh, chapter 1, verse 1 of Habakkuk. By the way, isn't Habakkuk a great name? But again, none of you are naming your kids Habakkuk, are you? I don't even get it. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet received. Now, I have to tell you something. He's a little different than any other prophet we've been looking at, okay? Because really he doesn't have a prophecy that he's writing out to people. This is a, you actually are going to get to listen and we get to eavesdrop, if you will, between a conversation and a conversation between Habakkuk and God. We're going to listen in to that conversation. And the whole book is this way. Ready? I'm going to teach you the whole book. It's based on two questions, two answers, And then Habakkuk sings a song, and that's the book, okay? Habakkuk asks a question, God answers. Habakkuk asks another question, God answers. Habakkuk sings a song, that's the book, all right? Pretty simple. The questions, though, are really, really good. Ready? We're into your sermon notes. It goes like this. The first question, Habakkuk looks to God and says, How can you allow? You ever ask that question? God, how can you allow evil in this world? How can you allow pain? How can you allow a little two-year-old boy to have his fingers severed? I don't get it, God. What's going on? Take a look. God, how long do I have to cry out for help before you listen? How many times do I have to yell, help, murder, police? This is from the message, by the way, I love it. Before you come to the rescue, why do you force me to look at evil, stare trouble in the face day after day, anarchy and violence break out, quarrels and fights all over the place, law and order fail, fall to pieces, justice is a joke, 
the wicked have the righteous hamstrung and stand justice on its head. What was going on is this, and right now, we've already told you there was a northern kingdom, a southern kingdom, the northern kingdom by this point is gone. Habakkuk is writing when the southern kingdom is still, had gone back to its evil, horrible, rotten ways, and Habakkuk's had enough, and he says, God, why are you allowing your people here in Jerusalem to be so evil and you're doing nothing about it? What is going on? How long before you really deal with this? How can you allow in your very capital, the one that is claimed by your name and is supposed to lift up your name, how can you allow all of this evil to take place. Here's God's answer. Ready? God's answer. I'm going to do something you would never expect. In other words, God says, don't worry. I got a plan. But I'm going to do something that you would never in your wildest dreams even expect I'm going to do. Take a look at this passage. Look around at the godless nations. Look around long and hard. Brace yourself for a shock. Something's about to take place. This is God now speaking back to Habakkuk. Something's about to take place, and you're going to find it hard to believe. I'm about to raise up the Babylonians to punish you. Babylonians, fierce and ferocious, world-conquering Babylon, grabbing up nations right and left. God says, I'm going to do something you would have never imagined. I'm going to take this evil nation called the Babylonians, and I'm going to use them to get the point across to my people. God uses amazing things to accomplish what he wants. Things that just, some things that are wonderful, love, mercy, grace, friends, fellowship, and God uses it all to form us and to make us and to change us and do what he wants to do. But God uses other things as well. Pain. Enemies. Conflict. And he uses it all to accomplish in this world and in our lives what he wants to do. Which brings us to Habakkuk's second question, which is probably the question you have on your mind right now, isn't it? Second question. God, how can you use? You're a holy, loving, wonderful God. How can you use evil people to do that? You're a holy, loving, wonderful God. How can you use pain and conflict and even my enemies in my life? You're supposed to protect me from those people. Not allow them to have their way. Take a look at this. Here's that second question. God, you're from eternity, aren't you? Holy God, we aren't going to die, are we? God, you chose the Babylonians for your judgment work? Parentheses. you got to be kidding me. Rock solid, God, you gave them the job of discipline? You can't be serious. You can't condone evil. We know that. So why don't you do something about this? Why are you silent now? This outrage, evil men swallow up the righteous. You're using the Babylonian nation, which is more evil than your Jewish, than, the, than Judah, to punish Judah? It makes no sense. You stand around and watch. God, I don't get it. 
how can you not just allow these things, but then how can you use them? It doesn't seem like that's who you are. See, in, in my mind, you're, you're just wonderful and love and everything is great and that's only the stuff that you use and you would never allow bad stuff and you would never use these things because it seems out of character for you. See, isn't this funny? This was written oh, 25, 2,600 years ago. People still asking the question. You're still asking the questions, aren't you? God, how can you allow? God, how can you use? Here's God's answer. Ready? It'll all work out in the end. Now, I know you hate that answer. I hate that answer. But that's the answer. Take a look at this. Here's God speaking back. So first was a packet looking to God saying, how, how long, how can you allow? God says, I'm going to do something. I'm going to send the Babylonians. And Habakkuk answers, asks the second question, how can you use these people? God says, it's okay. It's all going to work out. Take a look. And then God answered, write this, write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait, and it doesn't lie. It, if it seems slow in coming, wait. It's on its way. It will come right on time. I am going to deal with this one. I'm going to deal with them. I'm going to deal with you. I'm going to deal with it. It's coming. It's going to come when it's supposed to come. It'll come when I want it to come. But it's coming. That you can bank on. There's a New Testament equivalent, by the way. You know it well. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I don't know how many times I've used that in a pastoral counseling session. What's going to happen in my life? How's it? This is what God says. He's going to take everything in your life, the love and the mercy, the grace, the friends, and he's also going to take the pain and the conflict and your enemy, and he's going to use it. And he's going to make, as the old Gaither song used to say, what? Something beautiful out of something horrible. That's what's going to happen. God uses the most incredible things to build his kingdom. And we're going to talk more about that in just a moment. Now, here is our response. Here is where Habakkuk now gets to sing his song. So he's asked the question. God has answered. How can you allow? Okay, don't worry. I'm going to do something, but you won't believe it. How can you use? It's okay. Trust me. It's all going to work out in the end. And then Habakkuk, chapter 3, the whole chapter is a song that Habakkuk sings. I will not sing it for you. How is that? Okay, that is my gift to you this morning. I decided I could give you a short sermon and sing, or I could give you not singing a long sermon. I went with the not singing long sermon, okay? Deal with it. Here we go. This is Habakkuk singing, and I'm going to prove to you this song. You know how I know it's a song? Because it says it's a song. I sit back and wait for doomsday to descend on our attackers. It's going to be all right. Though the cherry trees don't blossom and the strawberries don't ripen, though the apples are worm-eaten and the wheat fields are stunted, though the sheep pens are sheepless and the cattle barn's empty, I'm singing joyful. Do you understand what he just said? He said, it doesn't matter what happens. Yeah, there could be calamity. There could be lots of bad. It's all right. I'm going to trust my Father. Good things are going to come. I'm singing joyful, 
joyful praise to God. I'm turning cartwheels to joy with my, to my Savior God, counting on God's rule to prevail. I take heart and gain strength. I run like a deer. I feel like I'm king of the mountain for congregational use with a full orchestra. That's in the Bible, okay? That's how I know this whole chapter is a song. Habakkuk was writing a song. There used to be music. We have no idea where that music was or what it sounded like. We've lost that because the music wasn't the issue. The words were the issue. You know what he just said? You know what? doesn't matter what happens. See, here's our response. When we ask that question and God answers and says, you know, I'm going to do something, but you're not going to believe it. Here's our response. Okay? Our response is to trust no matter what. That's our response. To trust no matter what. We just looked at that passage of scripture. It means this. Father, why do you allow this? I don't. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to do something that amazes you. Father, how can you use that? He says, you just have to trust me. And so we say back to him, you know, Father, I didn't like that answer at all. But I'm going to trust you. No matter what I see, no matter how it all turns out in the meantime, I'm going to trust you because you are trustworthy. That's Habakkuk. That's the whole book. God uses incredible things to work within our lives and to address the problems of this world. Let me give you some examples. Ready? When God wanted to reach the world, he called a man named Abram. We know him as Abraham. Now, God's plan was to reach the entire world, and it wasn't working out, and he decided, okay, I'm going to switch gears. I'm going to call one man. And then he said this to Abraham. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, your father's household. And go. Now remember, we talked about this one other time, how important that was. They, there was no police, there was no army, there was no government. Your safety was in your clan. If you were in trouble, your clan came to your rescue. God just said, I need you to leave every safety net you have and go someplace else where you'll be completely on, the, on your own. I'm the one that's going to trust you. This is an incredible thing for Abraham to do. People didn't leave their clans. And then he says this, I will make you into a great nation, will bless you, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, when God said this to Abraham, Abraham was a 75-year-old childless man. And he just said, I'm going to give you so many descendants you can't even believe. What a way to reach the world. When God wanted to rescue, this is a freebie, it's not even in your, in your sermon notes. When God wanted to rescue his people from Egypt, he called Moses. Just pick this story up. After Moses has spent time with the burning bush, God says, so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Now let me tell you about Moses. When God said this to Moses, Moses was an 80-year-old 
murderer with a speech problem? Did it ever occur to anybody that God would actually redeem his people out of slavery by calling an 80-year-old murderer with a speech problem? When God wanted to save the world, he sent his son to die on the cross. Who would have thought it? Who among the wise, who among anybody could have ever come up with the idea that when God wanted to actually save us and redeem us and bring us back into our relationship with him, he would actually take his son, send him down to this planet, nail him to a cross, and let him die. You know why nobody was expecting it? Why nobody celebrated at the time? Why, why nobody was around the open tomb really waiting for Jesus Christ to come out? Because nobody believed it. This is craziness. Why would God try to save the world through the death of his own son? The cross was foolishness. Now, we love the cross. We decorate our buildings with it. We talk about the cross. We're moving into that time of, of year, the Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, Good Friday, where the cross is really important. We sing songs about the cross, the old rugged cross. But you know what? To people outside of the church, it doesn't make any sense at all. I don't understand it, but I accept it. Take a look at this passage. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. God said, I am going to fix this problem in a way that is so unique and so amazing, nobody will get it. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit working within your heart, you won't even be able to receive it because it doesn't make any sense that I will wipe away your sin by killing my own son on the cross. But now here's one of the most amazing things that God uses. Ready? When God wanted to help the world, he created the church. Isn't that dark? See, Habakkuk is all about the fact that God takes a look at the world and he takes a look at the problem and he says, okay, I'm going to deal with it, but I'm going to deal with it in a way that you will not believe. I'm going to deal with it in a way that is absolutely amazing to you. When God looked at the world and how broken it was, he sent his son so that we could have that relationship, but to be able to work in that world and to change that world and to help that world, he created the church. And my friends, that's you and me. See, we're here to do more than just pray and give money. Or sing great songs. All those are good. Pray, give money, sing songs. Not bad. But it's a whole lot more than that. Take a look at this passage. You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men. That they may see your good deeds. And praise your Father in heaven. 
We're going to be talking about this in just a moment. We've got a song I'm going to play it for you in just a moment here. Anytime you look at the world and say, God, when are you going to do something about? He's going to have an answer for you you don't like. This song is called Do Something. I'm going to put the words up here. We're going to listen to the first verse, and then we'll move on. Listen, see if it works. I think the word's there. The next slide. There we go. What do you think? How about this? You ever ask this question? I'm sure you have. God, when are you going to do something about the pain and the suffering in this world? You won't like the answer. Here's the answer. I already did. I sent you. That's it. See, that's what's amazing about this Habakkuk thing is, is Habakkuk looks and says, okay, how can you allow this? God says, I'm going to, I'm going to deal with it but in a way that will blow you right out of the water. So now we look at the world and we say, okay, Father, how can you allow all this? And God says, you know what? I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to send you. That's why I'm going to keep you here. I've already saved you and redeemed you. Your name's written in the book of hell. Okay, no problem. Book of life's up there. One day you'll be with me forever. But between now and then, why do you think you're still there? See, sometimes we think that the church is all about this. This is called spiritual formation. It it's, um, um, just means that what we plan or what we think is that the church is here for you to pray and we're going we're gonna to teach you some things and, and you'll grow as a disciple and you'll get closer to God. And, and that's okay. I, there's nothing wrong with spiritual formation. As a matter of fact, that's what my doctorate's in. That's why I went back to school to study is that process of spiritual formation. But... You have to understand the true definition of spiritual formation. We have that up there? Show it. Next slide, if you can. Or is it frozen? There we go. Okay, that's a question we ask. Let's move on. Let's move on. There it is. What's the definition? Here it is, right here. Spiritual formation is the process of being conformed to the image of Jesus. Stop right there. That's what you think it is, huh? 
you think that the church is here to help you grow closer to Jesus Christ and more in his image. You think, and many people do, that our job here is to pray for you and teach you and help you and give you opportunities for worship and, and then you get closer to God and one day you die and you're just wonderful. And we have a nice memorial service and say wonderful things about you. We don't say them when you're alive, but after you're gone, we'll say great things about you. Look at the last part. Spiritual formation is a process of being conformed to the image of Jesus. What Would you read that with me? For the what? One more time. For the? One more time. For the? You thought it was for your sake, didn't you? You thought all of this was to make you feel better. We want you to feel better. We don't want you to feel bad. But don't you understand what God has called us to do? It's, it's not just so that we can feel good and handle our problems and, and take out all of our spiritual boo-boos and physical boo-boos and everything else, relational problems, and God fixes them all. That's okay. God does that kind of stuff. But then he says, you know what? I'm actually changing you so that you can help other people. Now, if you're feeling unqualified, then yeah, you are. That's this crazy thing that God is talking about. I am going to change this world and confront this evil, confront the pain, and I'm going to do it through broken people. I'm going to do it through my church. Paul once wrote to the church and he said this, Take a look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you. Not many influential, not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses? Chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. We keep thinking that God is going to raise up a Moses. But remember, Moses was an 80-year-old murderer with a speech problem. Or the Abrahams of this world, but Abraham was a 75-year-old childless man who now has to leave the safety of his clan and be the father of many nations. God is going to change this community. Just face, and yeah, even confront problems in the world through the most unlikely people you would ever imagine us. Who'd have thunk it, huh? absolutely amazing. Even knowing that we still mess up on a regular basis. We don't have all that it's going to take to get this done. The scripture says this, but we have these treasures in, the, in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing all power is from God and not from us. In other words, we know we're brokenness. We look at, how can I possibly fix the world and help the world? I can't even fix me or help me. God says, I know that. Don't worry about it. I called you anyway. I will help you. You don't have to be perfect to be able to go out there and to make a difference. You just have to trust that I will help you make a difference. So here's where it comes down to. Ready? Write this down. I can't do everything, but I can do God is calling us to confront the problems of this world. And we can't do it all, but we can do something. 
Take a look at this passage from James. Because there was a, a time in the early church when people just thought it was all about spiritual formation, meaning it was all about prayer and singing and that sort of thing and keeping myself pure. But James says this, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is faith? Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I see. Some of you are a little nervous, aren't you? Because you came here hoping that what we would do is preach sermons that would just make you feel better and, and fix all of the things that you've got wrong in your life. And God cares about those and will help you. But do you understand why we're going to do that? It isn't just to make you feel better. Because God is calling us as a church, as a denomination, to make a difference. Now we try to do that right here. That's why I've been showing you these videos around, around offering time to let you know how we do that. We're doing it this whole week. Interfaith hospitality, we still have openings for people to come and make a difference. But you don't have to interfaith hospitality. Let me give you a list, ready? Of things that you can do. You can volunteer at a school close by. You can sponsor a child through ICCM. Go on a missions trip. There's one coming up. Become a foster parent. Get involved with interfaith hospitality. Provide respite care for a working mom. Read to those in nursing homes. Deliver meals on wheels. Give time in Marion Folk, Marian Folk Food Share. Clean up the house or yard of an elderly or disabled. Do something. What are you doing? If you're not doing anything, then you never, ever, ever again ask the question, God, why do you allow this? Because you know the answer. God says, I'm not allowing anything. I sent you to deal with it. What do you do? What do you do? See, when God in the Old Testament wanted to deal with the sin of his children, he raised up a whole nation called the Babylonians. Incredible that he would do it. When God wanted to save you and to bring you right to himself, He did it in a way that is absolutely amazing. He sent his son to walk this planet and die for you and for me. No one had ever thought of it. Because of that now, we do get that great relationship with God if you've received him. We do get that spiritual formation as God begins to work and to change us through prayer and Bible reading and giving and, and we become different people. But he didn't do it just so that we would feel good. God saw the evil in this long ago. He knows it better than anyone. God saw the problem. And he said to his church, I'm going to send you to help fix it. Guess what? We're the church. So if this is your first Sunday here, I want to welcome you. It's great. Hopefully this hasn't scared you off. My name is Doug Bailey. I'm the lead pastor. I'd like to talk to you afterwards. Great. 
If you come broken and hurting and you need some healing, we can do that. We'll, we'll be able to help you out. We'll do whatever we can do, whatever is possible for us really to do to help you go into relationship with God and become stronger. It ain't for you. Because God is calling us all. This church, the Free Methodist Church, other denominations, this church that has no name except the called out ones of the church to deal with the problem. Vote the way you want to. That's okay. But here's the question. What are you doing? Right now, what are you doing? Where are you spending your time? Or has it all become just a way of feeling good? I hope you do feel good. But I hope you also learn God has called you to an incredible adventure of confronting evil. Helping right here. You can do it right here or after school program, other places, right here in this community. You can do it right now. But while you can't do everything, you have to do something. Father, we're going to give this over to you and uh, you know us. You know how our tendency is to really just want to soak it all in and and find solutions to all of our problems and then give you praise because all of our problems are taken care of. But Father, it's, that's just step one. We want to thank you that you are right there for us. But Father, you, we don't ever have to ask the question, how can you allow? We know, Father, you have sent a force into this world that can change this world completely. Already has. Needs to continue. You call us your church. And Father, we are part of that movement. Show us what we need to do in the name of Jesus. Amen. Love you.